Good afternoon, guys. Um, welcome to the JCN Clinic podcast show. Um, I'm Carissa. I'm Emma. And today we have Kobe back on with us. So we're minus our fearless leader, Jess, because she is over in Italy. Um, but what we've decided today is due to popular demand, um, we are doing another podcast um, with Kobe. Kobe is a psychologist. Um, and you guys have probably already heard the podcast that her and well, she did with Emma and Jess like two months ago, not even, oh, not even, not even like six weeks ago, um, talking about like mental health and nutrition, all of that. And that podcast was, um, super, super well received. Um, I think it was probably our longest podcast to date as well. Cause obviously there was so much to cover. Um, but yeah, so what we wanted to chat about today was a topic that has come up. Um, and it was more just body image and the um, negative impacts social media and media and all of that is really starting to have on, um, I'd like to say females, but I think females and males. Mm. I think we can't really knock boys out of this equation um, and just how that is really impacting people from yeah, a psychological point of view. So do you want to give everyone, I know that you did it on the last podcast yeah. anyway, just a little bit of a rundown on what you do because I know yeah. I really can't remember what the... <laughs> Personality disorders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I told you as soon as I got speak, I wouldn't be able to remember the exact specialized area of specialized that you, um, specialty that you do. So, yeah, I um, so I'm psychodynamically trained. So that's um, no wonder I couldn't get it out. See, we're <laughs> <laughs> um, And so my specialization is in trauma and personality disorder organization, and. Um, relational issues so basically what I do is help people find out like find out in terms of what's going on in their present life could be related unconsciously to something that's happened in the past and so often sometimes our present behaviors and our present unhealthy behaviors can really link back to wounds of the past that we may not have dealt with or mm -hmm. we may not even be aware mm -hmm. of there and they can affect how our personality is then absolutely set up and affect all areas of life so yeah. how we self-care in terms of nutrition our physical health our financial health um, our mental health um, if there are deep wounds there then how we treat ourselves and treat others mm. um, can be majorly affected yeah so I help people to bring awareness to those parts that may be outside their conscious awareness yep. to bring them forward and that way a person has more choice in how they want to lead their life and yep. moving forward. I think that's – I think even like going on the path of like body image and body – body awareness and things like that for like what I don't I don't even think it's a new thing in society like I think it's been going on forever like social media wasn't around when I was 15 16 17 18 uh -huh. 19 20 yeah. so we're talking like you know 20 years ago social media wasn't around then yeah. but body image issues were like mm. it's definitely something I know we've spoken about on podcasts before like yeah. I struggled struggled massively with that area of my life um for a number of reasons and it's taken me a long time to get to the other side of that mm -hmm. but I think like what we now see as clinicians so mm -hmm. working in the you know the area of psychology and the area of nutrition and is predominantly because we're dealing with you know women and probably women of a certain age demographic mm -hmm. but I actually don't think it discriminates 
with age anymore. Like I know I deal with women in their 50s and 60s that still have uh-huh. body image issues and yeah, um, and yeah. young girls. And I just think like I find it really heartbreaking. Like I think, you know, and I think it does come back mm. to a lot of like there's obviously been some – collection of um traumatic episodes like mm-hmm. and i don't think everyone kind of thinks of trauma as being um some massive traumatic event mm-hmm. but i think if it's something that impacts you on a psychological mm-hmm. level that yeah. you carry with you then that's that's mm-hmm. a traumatic event even so can, a, yeah an unconscious level even. unconscious level like it can just be a comment from someone when you're mm-hmm. young or you yeah. know some sort of you know yeah whatever it is so i think the first thing i probably wanted to tackle was like just what you see in terms of like you know women and men but what are some of the biggest like sort of standouts by the time people are seeking help that you would say that you know there's issues with yeah like um body image um you know just self-love basically Mm -hmm. in terms of accepting the skin that we're in and you know what's actually realistic and what is an ideology ideology of what should be Mm -hmm. you know healthy and pretty and all of that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so where where do we start with that (laughs) and you're right like it affects all ages like no Mm. one is Mm. left out Mm. um and it we've all like generally most people have had some kind of trauma whether it was a teacher who said a particular comment or Mm. was their first rejection or yep um whatever it may be and also say if a person didn't have um, say a family-based trauma, maybe just by being in this world, because our world is quite unconscious, um, we wouldn't have the wars that we have going yeah. on or um, if we lived in a conscious world. So just by that fact that humans are largely unconscious and we live in an unconscious world, that that can lead to people to experience trauma. Um, And that affects people's sense of self, which we talked a little bit about last time. Mainly what I see is people coming in with difficulties around their identity and their sense of self. Um, And when someone's internal world is quite full of distress, sometimes turning to what they feel they can control by way of body image, body weight that can be a way to distract from um, the inner turmoil within because that is something that can be controlled, say, with restricted eating, and then that can move the person away from whatever the deeper pain is underlying underneath. So I see that a lot. I have experienced that myself, Um, being someone who had anorexia when I was in my teens, which led to this career choice. And it, it was a move away from not being able to sit with very strong feelings of, of it being a teenager and that was something I could control. Mm. Um, so I do see a lot of that. Mm. And the treatment for me in that, in that way was learning about self-love and, and self-respect and being able to learn to take goodness and nourishment in. Mm. Yeah. That's goodness and I like... I think we spoke about this last time, but just being able to take that in, mm. goodness and nourishment in terms of food, but also in terms of, every, you know, um, even compliments and yeah. accepting compliments and things yeah. like that is almost like a form of, it's a form of self-care and it's a form of mm-hmm. almost self-respect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's just really interesting. And then 
how that influences how we treat. Like we've got mm. to be really careful as clinicians as well with how we, you know, if someone comes in and we might in our minds feel like they have that kind of background, mm. um, we've got to be really careful on how we actually approach their eating yeah. as well. And the types of diets that you put them on yeah. and, yeah, 100%. I think um, – like, I think too, like, obviously there's the more, you know, when we're talking about, like, body image for girls and self-love and all of that stuff, there's definitely the more extreme realm of it, which would be, like, you know, any sort of actual eating. I think there's, like, I sort of say there's eating disorder and disordered eating. Like, mm. I think I think we've got the eating disorder realm, which is which is very severe. Like, there's we've obviously got bulimia, we've got orthorexia, and we've got anorexia yeah. falling into that realm. And I think that it's kind of become a bit of a blurred area because I think unless you – you know, you have those really more severe conditions then everything else has just become normal. Mm. Um, I think, you know, like, yeah, like a lot of the things like some of the things that I talk to a lot of my clients about are like, it's not even my area, but where I think, Mm. you know, if I'm seeing these patterns start to emerge, yeah, they, they might be what I would consider a healthy body weight, Mm. but to them, they're not. So just like, um, and I think you probably have a lot more to add on to this, but I call them like body checking is a big one. Mm. So, and constantly weighing yourself Mm. and constantly stressing over food and just, you know, how you feel like, you know, letting those sorts of things dictate how your, Mm. uh, how your emotions play out Mm. for the day or the week. So Mm. like there's some big telltale signs for Mm. me where I'm kind of like, okay, we're probably starting to slip into Mm. a bit of a scary area here. I would like you to potentially see a psychologist or do you have a counselor or someone you can work with here? But like, what else are some really like common signs and symptoms? Like, because I think, yeah, like everyone's kind of like, not everyone, but I think it's kind of in the, if you don't have, if you're not severely underweight uh-huh. and you're not, you know, vomiting your food up, then yeah. everything else in terms of how we kind of just go about our daily life and treat ourselves has just become a bit normal and mainstream, I find. Mm-hmm. Like it's normal for women mm-hmm. to be very negative about themselves, not be happy with their own bodies, be on these super, super restrictive diets and be over-exercising and weighing themselves mm-hmm. constantly. So what, what other mm-hmm. sorts of things would you sort of say are kind of more slipping into what I would call the not okay areas like when it comes down to punishment yeah we think of food like that's one of our most basic human needs is to (laughs) eat is to eat um and so when someone's at the point where their basic human needs are being neglected or violated such Mm. as not sleeping or not eating Mm. or um uh, it can play out in lots of different areas um, then generally that points to this there's something deeper yep. going on yeah um, so I would a good flag is if what's happening internally for someone is starting to affect their functioning in their daily life then that's probably a good time to go talk to someone about mm. what could be going on mm. that's outside their awareness that's then affecting their ability to look after their basic human needs mm. and, and just rights. Mm. Yep. Um, because if we think of, say, uh, someone not eating nourishing food, like what message is that sending um, to their – like it's pretty hard to function if yeah. you don't have yep. the right nutrition. Yeah. So mm. that might not be a case of – eating disorders per mm. disordered eating per se but it's what what's going on there where um, the person isn't able to take in 
a good source of nutrients mm. in their body. Because they're af- afraid on some level or, yeah. Like, I feel like, you know, I think in the – like, even just I think the biggest thing probably for us at the moment as practitioners, and I think you probably agree, is mm. – I'm hoping you're going to agree. No. <laughs> I <laughs> often do with you. <laughs> There's this, um, this fear around um, carbohydrates at the moment. I think, you know, when, mm. you know, more – so let's say 15 years ago it was fats because fats yeah. will make you fat now the big fear for uh, like a lot of the people we're seeing and it's hard because we're in this this day and age where you've got two very big conflicting you know bodies of information about nutrition and one of yeah. the big mainstream general things kicking around at the moment seems to be that carbohydrates will make you fat and it's all mm. of a sudden so we've got all these girls on and guys yeah. on these carbohydrate-restricted diets. They're afraid to bring carbohydrates yeah. back into the diet because mm. they're scared of getting, like, fat or putting on weight. Mm. I really struggle dealing with that as a practitioner mm. because, like, the whole psychology behind that is not my area. Like, mm. obviously, and you've got the background in psychology but haven't mm. practiced in it and Kobe, you do practice in it. So, like, what would you say, like... I don't even know the kind of question I'm actually trying to ask you, but I just think like in terms of these fears around certain foods making people fat and all of that, Mm. like how do you sort of tackle that from a psychology aspect? Mm. Like, you know, like obviously for me I look at it, well, these foods are nourishing and it's not about Mm. being fat or thin. It's about finding a healthy Uh body weight for you as a female that's not determined by what someone looks like on social Mm. media but by how your body is actually functioning as a whole. If if things are functioning well and Mm. you're eating – you know, mostly whole foods and all that, your mm. body will find its mm-hmm. healthy weight and it's not about being fat mm-hmm. or thin. But that's so easy for me to say sitting on this side of the desk. Yeah. Like, I think that that's something that I, when someone comes in and it's all about education and we are mm. so, at this clinic, we are so pro-education mm. and often a lot of the time is educating our clients on what are the macronutrients and, um, you know, and how to balance out their plate from a macronutrient mm-hmm. point of view. And that will all, often always include some kind of carbohydrate mm-hmm. and we really individualise it. But when someone says, well, I thought carbohydrates were bad and I've been on this small mm-hmm. low-carb or keto diet, I kind of question like, okay, well, why is that and where did mm-hmm. those where did those thoughts come from and, and how has that been for you and, uh, and how has your body felt with that, mm. and a lot of people will report maybe some weight loss, but they will report not feeling fantastic mm-hmm. if they're really restricting mm. in that way. Yeah. And we, I guess it's more, it's first thing is educating and say, well, actually, carbohydrates are really useful, and you know, from a from our point of view, it's they're very useful for the gut and for energy and all of that. But then I think where it becomes, there's someone with okay, who's on maybe a lower carb diet due to mm. social media or something they've seen. Mm. When you educate them, they go, oh, okay, I will start bringing those in. They're people that are like, okay, they can, they're flexible with that and they can maybe, mm-hmm. they're not too far in in terms of mm-hmm. um, disordered thinking or eating mm-hmm. eating patterns, whereas I totally understand that almost sometimes, sometimes almost no amount of education from, from our, my point of view yeah, will actually okay. change Mm-hmm. that person's behaviour because yeah. there's deeper issues. Yeah. So there's like those two types of people we see. Yeah. There's like, okay, you're eating in this way. Here's some education about that and how it works with your body. Let's change that. Okay, that is changed. Mm-hmm. You're feeling much better. better. Let's yeah. not focus on calories. Let's not focus on weighing food and let's kind of go from there. And sometimes, you know, yeah, for some people that's okay, but then mm-hmm. others it's like 
Yeah, no, yeah, that will not make a difference. <laughs> yeah, there's no amount of us sitting on no. the other side of the desk, like with every reason, rationale, and bit yeah. of literature mm. as to how beneficial this food may be for them. They're just mm. so scared of it. Like, yeah. for, you know, and I think this is where the social media aspect comes into mm. it because I feel like with the explosion mm. of Instagram and Facebook and all of these, mm-hmm. you know, big social media platforms has also become a lot of, um, you know, fear-mongering around stuff. Uh-huh. So, yeah. like, what, like, if for people listening, I guess, yeah. like, and I think a lot of people listening to our podcast probably uh, have been on this bandwagon themselves or mm. know someone that is. So mm-hmm. from like, from your end of it, like where, like, I feel like Emma and I probably hit walls sometimes with our clients, like what would be something, like, how would you kind of look at that from a different perspective? Definitely looking at what their ingrained beliefs are. Systems mm. are, yeah. What's their belief system? What have they heard? Also, I'd be wanting to tap into what are the messages that those beliefs mm. are sending um, to their brain in terms of you should do this, you must do this, you ought to do this. Yeah. Um, if this happens, yeah. What are the fear-based mm. messages that they're receiving? If you eat this, you're going to put on because mm. fear makes up so many lies. The yeah. inner critic makes up so many lies. Mm. So if you have this piece of bread, you're going to you're going to balloon. Yeah, um, you're weighing an extra 500 grams tomorrow from yeah. a 50 gram piece of bread. Like it, yeah. it doesn't even make sense. But I, you know, like I think there's a lot of people out there that, and I've heard it from my clients. They're like, the minute I eat carbs, yeah. I put on weight, and I'm like, but yeah. there's a there's a difference too for me between. I think there's a really good saying that if you put on weight from eating, if you gain mm-hmm. weight from eating a macronutrient balanced mm-hmm. diet, three meals three times a day, then you mm. needed to put on weight. Like mm-hmm. there's you know, like mm. there's sort of that sort of thing as well. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Mm. Don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's difficult. Like you know, we're talking about social media today and the pressures of keeping to some unrealistic standards. Yeah, the point, right? <laughs> is what is this unrealistic standard for people? Like it's just and the men and women. Yeah. You know, we both have different pressures Mm. of what constitutes beautiful Mm -hmm. um, and that can then feed into our basic human vulnerabilities of, you know, most people have a level of insecurity and um, that we all develop great masks in going through life to self-protect against and have people not see those. And most people, like we spoke about last time, live with an inner critic. So Mm. if you already have a vulnerability because you're a human and you Mm. have emotions then we naturally come with this highly developed self-critic that picks us apart anyway then you add social media to the mix and you've got such a quick quick portal to go on and compare yourself Mm. and then that feeds your inner critic to then be beating yourself down yeah Mm. and then that feeds those beliefs of beliefs of um you know, if I eat this or do this, then everything's ruined. Like it, the fear-based messages just become so pervasive mm-hmm. um, as opposed to a balanced approach towards self and eating, which is, you know, if I have a carbohydrate here or I have a treat here, then that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. As my clients at my clinical know, I have cookies for them every week that are <laughs> freshly baked from Libida, yeah. Be- Libida Bella. And um, 
I I'm not a nutritionist, so they know that they are full of butter and, <laughs> yeah. and sugar. Like, like not love vegan, cookies. not I'm gluten. coming to your clinic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's a tr- and it's a treat. It's mm. just it's a it's a self love treat for them to finish their session mm. with. And no, like I don't recommend eating cookies three times a day. But <laughs> once a day is completely fine. Yeah. And I'm just saying that because it's okay for me. Yeah, <laughs> I think the other thing here is that like when I see clients who they're eating in a certain way and or they're trying to avoid certain foods and, and I mean with the work that we do there's a lot of like gut work going on and a mm-hmm. lot of sensitivities and intolerances and allergies and all that but sometimes if there's certain foods that we've kind of said well we want to reduce this a little bit mm-hmm. and this will only be on people that mm-hmm. can actually handle it um, but sometimes they go oh I, I had that and you know I, um, it's that black and white like oh I had that that food yeah. and I say it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Like, you know, and I always, I'm so, like, as a practitioner, I'm so, um, when we are working with the gut or working with the body and mm-hmm. we're trying to heal whatever system we're trying to heal mm-hmm. and we're trying to give as much nutrients as possible mm-hmm. and reduce other things that might be going in, it's all about, it's still about balance, like, it, it, to some yeah. extent. Like, it's still about, okay, if you have this food mm-hmm. that you're not meant to, in inverted mm-hmm. commas, you're not going to die. Mm-hmm what is the worst thing that's going to happen? Yeah. Like, and if you do have a sensitive sensitivity to that food, okay, mm-hmm. you may feel some discomfort, mm-hmm. but you're not going to die. And mm-hmm. I just say to my clients, I literally just tell them, I go, imagine my voice in your head. What does Emma say? <laughs> it's fine. Eat the food. Do not worry about, you know, and I, I guess that's like, again, I'm very careful to right now differentiate in between mm-hmm. those who are, have an actual um, eating disorder or and that that's very different yeah. um it's easy coming from my point of view where i'm haven't suffered from that kind of um, thinking process and i just it's so much easier said than done right but i'm also very much like mm. it's not there's no way that any of us here would ever mm. get mad at our clients or anything like that if they ate something that they're not meant to in inverted commas you know mm. and we're just mm. like it's fine like we're all about balance and I guess we also try and show that like even on our social media and stuff like mm. you know it's yeah. we're not we're not god <laughs> we're not anything like that we just witnessed you devour a beautiful shepherd's pie so yes know that. exactly right full of potato <laughs> and chickpeas get those carbs in there yep that's so, it um you think it comes yeah back down to whether it the difficulties with eating have gone as far as an eating disorder. I think it's the same thing. It's dealing with beliefs mm. that someone has around eating and body image um, and expectations on self. And so if we can work with the critic, like one piece of advice I would give is just watch the messages because if they if the messages that your brain is sending to you contains the words ought, must, should, generally, then that's a message coming from fear and your self-critic. Mm-hmm. So if we come from a place of self-compassion, in particular around body image and, and eating, then asking self, well, what do I need and what do I want? So every time a should, ought, or must comes up, then counter it by saying, hang on, what is it that I need and what is it that I want? And then it's not, oh, well, it can, self-compassion isn't, okay, I'm going to have um, this giant family size bag of chips because I want to be loving towards myself. (laughs) 
it's um, it's still coming from uh, it's still coming from ideally a place of love. So what is it that I need? Oh, I'm really craving protein. That's what I really feel like my body is needing right now. Okay, well then how mm. can I fulfill that need in a healthy way? Or I'm really craving salt. That's my need right now. Yeah, well I can. I mean, I'm pretty good with chips. Like, I can smash this family bag <laughs> of chips. Or is that really the salt that my body's looking for? And so how can yeah. I meet that need in a healthy way? Because that can also be, like, with the whole bag of chips or binging, yeah. you know, yeah. like it's exactly the same as restriction. Yeah. It comes from the same place. It's yeah. like, well, you're not actually, yeah, you're giving yourself something, but you're overdoing it and, and uh-huh. you're not going to feel fantastic after that yeah. either. I mean, like daily at the clinic, Carissa and I, pretty much daily, we say, what do we feel like right now? Oh, we feel like chocolate. Chocolate, <laughs> yeah. We go down to Noosa Chocolate Factory or Amy Sutton and we go get ourselves some chocolate and we do, <laughs> we do not I'm care pretty... about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I think, um, I just think like when, this is something that I spend a lot of time talking about my clients with, like I, like apart, it's hard because we work in, I feel like it's hard because we work in a space where you to treat the gut sometimes or treat certain conditions, you know, short-term people do need to be on like somewhat restrictive diets or they need to remove foods. And again, we pick and choose who we do that with. But I do sort of feel like the whole goal of it is to get Mm. to a stage where you actually don't really have to, like, I don't think about food. Like I think Mm. about food all the time, but I don't Mm. think about what is actually um, going together to make a meal up for me Mm. because it's, a, it's not that it's so ingrained into it. I just think when you get to the stage where you're in tune with what your body wants mm-hmm. and you're in tune with what your body needs, mm-hmm. um, you will just make the appropriate decisions. And sometimes that is chocolate and sometimes that is protein, sometimes mm-hmm. that is carbs. But I think, you know, the goal is to kind of get to the stage where it's not about um, eating to maintain a certain weight or eating mm-hmm. to look a certain way. It's eating to nourish mm-hmm. a body based yeah. on what it needs. And sometimes that is a little bit of shit like, and something, but most of the time, mm-hmm. if you're in tune with what your body needs and everything's functioning well, you're not going to want to make shit decisions. Mm-hmm. You'll make, exactly. you'll have yeah. treat like treats and in inverted commas here. And I don't even call them treats. I just call them part of a balanced diet. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. you know, if you yeah. want to have a cookie, have a bloody cookie. You want to yeah. go down to Amy Sargent's with me, Emma, and get a block of chocolate and smash it with a mocha. Let's bloody do it. <laughs> Can we please do that, Noah? <laughs> that we're doing after this. Yeah. I'm there. They literally know us. They know us by name. Probably is coming through H&M with our mugs, really. <laughs> but I think, like, it's – I think, like, for me, I just wish – like, we are probably in a more world where we could drop a lot of the labels from mm. food as well. Like, And even just the – I like the thought processes around certain groups of food, like yeah. carbohydrates, all of a sudden I just – think the only thing people think of carbohydrates is fat and you know they make it fat bad Mm. and it's just Mm. we I just don't know how we get to the space where Mm. we get out of that sort of thought process about you know whole foods and I don't think anyone needs to be a hundred percent healthy all the time like I know for my clients it's like 80 percent like 80 percent is my benchmark for everything everyone just laughs at me but it's like and then you just don't you know you don't worry about the couple of glasses of champagne and cheese platter that you have on the weekend with your girlfriends or the couple of beers or the you know the mocha Mm. like sometimes I feel like we probably overdo it but hey we know when to pull it in so yeah yeah so it's about like how at least when we're talking about this to our clients, it's like you're making a decision based on when you're really tuned in, you're making a decision based on like, yeah, what you need, but also Mm. how do you feel? uh, Like how Mm. do you think that you'll feel well? How do you know you'll feel based Mm. on past experience after you do develop that whole 
block yeah. of chocolate or mm. bag of chips or whatever. You know, like when it comes to when you're in a really good space, and this is, I guess, the same, like this is where I want all of my clients to end up no matter yeah. what. And in terms of like gut work, like I always say to them, my two goals for you are A, number one, to reduce your symptoms and basically, you know, so that you don't have to be fearful of foods anymore. Mm. And and two, eat bring everything back in the diet and so you can eat everything again. That's mm. the whole goal of this, yeah. for you to be non no symptoms mm. or very minimal symptoms and be eating a very balanced diet. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's um sometimes it can take a little a little while, but I think that it's just mm. so that's I wish everyone could yeah. get to that place. What would be some of like for anyone listening, like what I know we sort of covered some of them before, but I think like what would be some like if you could just give some people some like big sort of red flags that it's really starting to, you know, not like that maybe they really should, like in terms of food or even just, you know, body image stuff or anything like what would be some sort of red flag things for you that you would mm. just be like, okay, this kind of behavior or this kind of way you're treating yourself or feeling you feeling about yourself is like what I would say time to come and have a chat with a psychologist like this is beyond what a nutritionist can do for you this is beyond what a dietitian can do for you this is beyond what your GP can do for you like this is some deep-seated shit that you need to come in and have a chat with someone about yeah. and work out because yes. obviously you know you can have people till the cows come home say you know you need to you need to eat this way and just just feel good about yourself but mm. for a lot of people like there are these things that happened you know 20 years ago uh-huh. in the past these for yeah. some women 40 or 50 years ago in yeah. the past and they're carrying that with yeah. you now so what would be some yeah. of the things like for you that you'd be like okay this is where I would come in and actually yeah. want to work with you or send you to someone to work with you yeah well truly our body keeps score so emotionally Everything that has happened to us is residing somewhere in our mm. body, and I love that. Yeah, mm. so it's it really true. Like our there, there is a mind and body connection, and um, yeah, our body body keeps the score of everything that's ever happened, and so that's why generally when people hear messages like "just think positive" or "don't worry about it" or <laughs> um, just uh, yeah, just messages to push emotion down. That's why that doesn't work. Mm, and if yeah. I honestly had a dollar for every time someone came in and said someone in their life had just said, stop worrying about it. If, if you are saying that to someone, um, <laughs> find another way. Because, um, <laughs> please stop. <laughs> please stop. Um, because it dismisses the feeling. Mm. And so that feeling has to go somewhere. They don't just, feelings don't just exit the body through osmosis Mm. they are remembered (laughs) and um, often they'll go to different emotional centers in our body so if you're having lots of gut problems that's actually our where our uh, power center of um, our emotions rest so often if someone's having gut problems it can be something to do with uh, feelings of powerlessness Mm. and so that's where I would start treating or if someone's um, having like a reflux or something, then I'll be looking at, hmm, is there things in their life they're not speaking up about? Mm. Um, so there's definitely a body and mind connection. When it's a good time to come in is when food, like any substance that can be used to punish or distract, is, is hurting someone mm. um, and harming someone as opposed to it's there to nourish us. So if, um, hmm, trying to think of an example. 
if it's becoming addictive in in because humans cope with emotion mm. um, through some addictive behaviours. That's We wouldn't have the rates of mental health that we do, of alcoholism, of drug taking. Um, and so food can also be a way that people handle strong emotion. Mm. So if someone is becoming, if their thinking behind food is becoming more addictive and restrictive, then that's a good time to come in because it might be pointing to something more deep-seated that's happening for the person that they're not aware of because ultimately food is to fulfil a basic human need and to give us goodness and, and nutrient. It's not there to punish us. Mm. Um, and we don't need punishing. We're not – no one is, is good and bad. Um, we're all just humans trying to do the best we can with what we know. Well, and um, <coughs> most people haven't been taught the skill set of how to manage their emotions, so they turn to whatever works. And often mm. food can be something. It's, I mean, it's an easy one. It's yeah. it's a lot more in your less in your face. I think yeah. like you know some of the biggest like obviously like you mentioned there's drugs and alcoholism, yeah. but you know like that's you know for a lot of people very classically just demonized straight away whereas mm -hmm. food I think there's just so many gray zones with food uh, now yeah. in terms of you know what is actually healthy and what mm. is actually starting to yeah. slip into mm. an unhealthy you know control like control mm. area yeah. or mm. co coping mechanism or I think even um like in terms of what I would see or we would see even things like weighing yourself Mm -hmm. regularly every day I think or if multiple you, times a day I think if you weigh yourself every day or a couple of times a day that that to me is I know back when I had a lot of my body image stuff like you know that was something I would do religiously every morning same mm. time I'd get up and weigh mm. myself and if I had even mm. changed within like half a kilo and obviously mm. knowing what I know now I know how fucking ridiculous that is but it's true. But a lot but of people don't. A lot of, but like, I've still got clients now who weigh themselves every day or once a week. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, if you know, and I've, I've said this a lot of times, like I just feel like A, women should not have scales. Mm -hmm. But I think like if you are starting to slip into that, you know, psychological pattern of weighing yourself and then that mm -hmm. dictating how, how you eat for the rest of the day mm -hmm. and also how you feel about Absolutely. yourself for the rest of the day, then that's to me is a big warning right. sign. Big I always, flag. yeah, I say to my clients like, I just if get my, you, my if you put, scales out. Yeah, same. <laughs> but if you put 500 grams or a kilo on or whatever, yeah. that could just be a big shit. That's what I say. I'm like, <laughs> it could just be a massive turd. Like, you just haven't gotten rid of it yet. Like, <laughs> literally, it matters. Like, it, it matters. Like, and for mm. women, especially, like, it matters, like, the time of the cycle. Yeah. Water retention. Water retention. I've all literally of had that. my anti water retention today after, like, you know, yeah. after you oh. get rid of your period starts and then that day or so. Yes. All girls will know about this. Like, yes. you have that day where all of a sudden you pee about 100 times a day because yep. your body's like, okay, I'm just going to let go of that floor. I yep. reckon I've probably pissed out two kilos today. <laughs> But if you had to weigh yourself this morning, you'd have been so, all down about it because yeah. Well, interestingly, actually, I had to um, for Zaylee when I was taking her to the vet the other day. I need I didn't realize they had scales in the vet, so I needed to know how much they weigh. They said, you know, when I booked her in to get yeah. desex, they said, do you know how much your dog weighs? And I'm like, oh god, I don't know. I think ten kilos. My partner said twenty. So <laughs> she's like a small bag of concrete. But that's a big variation. So I thought, what I'll do is I'll go and get a set of scales from Kmart, so I can just stand on them, weigh me, chuck her in my arms, and yeah. I know how much she weighs. So when I was in Kmart I was like oh this will be interesting so they had like and I think I've told a couple of my clients about this I wish I had my phone with me because I think this is just the perfect 
perfect example of how shit scales are and how much it can really vary. But so I got the Kmart scales down and they had three different types of digital ones. (coughs) Some of the old ones that you just stand on and the number comes up. So I think two different sets. I think they were just different colours or whatever. So all up I think there was five or six um, sets of scales. I pulled them all down. So I'm like, this will be interesting because I just want to see like what what it looks like on different sets of scales. And I shit you not, I weighed anywhere from 64 to 71 kilos. (gasps) depending on what scale I stood on. Wow. So just in terms of, like, I know that obviously if you're weighing yourself on the same scale every day, like, yeah. that's a little bit different. But yeah. I just think, you know, like, how for someone who's still dealing with that whole psychological yeah. aspect in terms of weight and just thought, yeah. oh, it had been exercising, doing really well, like, eating really well and feeling really good about themselves and probably thinking – ballpark I weigh around you know you know 65 kilos Mm. and then they go and jump on a set of scales in bloody Kmart and it tells them they weigh 69 like there goes you know three months I know because I've got clients that do this like they'll be doing so so well and just exercising eating three balanced meals a day Mm. snacking when they want to you know having a you know a treat in inverted commas here and there when they want to and they're feeling so freaking good about themselves and they jump on the scales and it's just this downward spiral so quickly and I just thought to myself when I jumped on all those scales I'm like this is just such a simple mind fuck for females (laughs) it is it is like throw your scales out and go by how you feel I think is a big one um so the scale thing is one one red flag yeah we've had that rant um and sometimes it like it so it looks like it's about the scale yeah it looks like it's about the number yeah but psychologically often it's not about scale and it's not yeah. about no. the number. Yeah. yeah. That's just – so if someone is utilising food to cope with deeper psychological mm. um, issues, then like being focused on the number the is a way to detract, um, distract oneself yep. from what the deeper emotional yep. need is. Yeah. Um, mm. You know, I know – myself going through an eating disorder I had a number yeah. that I was so fixated on yeah. staying at because of, I could control that yeah but yep. I couldn't control the other thing the other strong emotions mm. that were happening in my mm. life as a teenager so I became fixated on a scale yeah on a number yeah because that my brain could handle yeah mm. couldn't handle the other strong emotions yeah that as an adult in um, doing the work I've been able to process, mm, yep, so now I can have a good relationship with my body and food. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think I was exactly the same. Like I had, I had a number on the scale, mm-hmm. and if I went over mm-hmm. that number, like if I was under that number, yeah. I was like, the, I was the happiest girl yeah. in the world. But if I and I even I and then I had a reference range as well, like yeah. I was like anywhere within two kilos of that. But if I hit that upper number, yeah. like and I can't even, I think back, it would have been like. Oh, what would it have been like probably around 56 kilos or something yeah. like that and like that's probably 10 or 11 like look at my if I was 10 kilos lighter than what I am now like that's insane god but anyway so you know. part of what I would do as a therapist is always look at the meaning of things yeah so it's, that's a psychodynamic framework um we everything has meaning so if someone is fixated on a mm. number on a scale then what is it that they're interpreting from that? Like I've just mm. shared one perspective, mm. but there may be mm. multiple perspectives out there and we'd love to hear from you. You know, what what is the meaning of a number and a set of scales for you? Yeah. Because that could have different meanings for everyone. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I'd be wanting to explore. Yeah. So 
and why does like a certain this is the thing that I like I, I like I have said on other podcasts like I don't know how I got to where I am now like I didn't see a psychologist I didn't I just did a lot of work myself like a yeah. lot of deep-seated yep. work you and, just go into the rainforest and <laughs> get lost for a few days get lost for a few days <laughs> Carissa's <laughs> work but um like I just think too like why is it that yeah. you know and like I look at back at my stuff like you know 15 20 years ago far out if it let's just say 15 20 years ago um, <laughs> let's say but why is like a number or a certain way of eating a certain way of looking what defines mm-hmm. our self-worth do you know what I mean and yeah. so what you're sort of saying is there's a different like there's a different reason for each person yeah, yeah. and so like you just mentioned you went and did you did some soul searching you did your work and mm. when we talk about the work uh psychologically often it's the work of reparenting mm. um finding a different relationship that finding a more positive and healthy relationship mm. with self and others um so because often the relationship we have with self and that's why i specialize in relationships plays out relationally with others yeah so if there is a strong sense of self love then we are able to pick people, places and things that are good and nourishing for us. Mm. And if that self-love isn't there as much, it is more difficult to take in goodness Mm. and nourishment Mm. and to surround ourselves with places that lift us up and people that Mm. lift us up and food that makes Mm. us feel good. Yeah. What's your, um, I guess, take on or experience on literally when you said reparenting like mm. you know parents or mm-hmm. i'm going to go mainly more mothers with their daughters mm. and they're like this is a big the, area mm. yeah but it, yeah and the way that they actually talk to themselves talk about food and diet and and all of that and mm. and then how that just literally reflects mm-hmm. onto the child who might be young and just a sponge mm-hmm. Yeah. I, for example, I remember my mum, like, I'm going to put it out there, mum, she, love her, she used to say, um, oh, I'm watching my figure mm. all the time. And, like, mm. bless her, like, I think that's what her mum used to say. Mm. And I used to be like, oh, what, what, what does that mean? Like, what, you know, mm. or, like, or she would just refuse mm. foods or whatever. Um, not that she had, but that's just a thing that I've picked up on. That, mm. um, And I think that the way that, yeah, mothers kind of, say just and not and it's just so subconscious mm-hmm. like it's just so like oh I've got to maintain this this figure mm-hmm. so this is how I'm kind of talking to myself or talking mm-hmm. about food or yeah. whatever and then that will just brush off onto the you know daughters but you know even sons as well um, and then they find themselves growing mm-hmm. up and developing this same kind of relationship to food Definitely. what are you what are your thoughts on that or do you see that often yeah, yeah. I think that's that's spot on like mm. we come into this world as as blank blueprints mm. and we our brain is developing so much when we're a little person mm. and the way we learn is by looking at those around us and we do tend as little people to look at our mum and dads as gospel mm. like they just know everything <laughs> and they're so old and wise and we've got that <laughs> innocence that they've just got it together, so what they say must be right. Yeah. Um, and there comes a point in all our lives when we realise, oh, they're just superhuman. <laughs> um, don't have it all together. Yeah. And they were just doing either. the best they could at the time. And then when <laughs> we go on to have kids, we're like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, oh. 
so our parents definitely teach us like what we want to do and what we want to pass on and also what might we tweak yeah. uh, what might, mm. might we teach that's different um and especially with diet uh i can relate you know there's definitely a family history of women and and having uh very thin body weight mm. and eating eating issues and different messages that I received around um, what constitutes beautiful. And now being, uh, well, a mother myself, mm. so having a child in two weeks. <laughs> um, not before. If, if not, yeah, today. Today. <laughs> in the clinic. <laughs> um, just if I could get a tea and <clears throat> just make it relax. Yeah. Um, so it has led me to question, you know, what is it that I want to role play to my daughter, uh, Willow, around a healthy relationship with her body and mm. food? And if I'm going to do that, then I need to do that from a place of doing that myself mm. so that she's seeing someone that walks the talk. Absolutely. Know? So that's perhaps that's maybe something that got missed with our parents, like watching the messages of, Oh, I'm just watching my figure, but then with them, with us, they're like, "Oh no, you have it, you have mm. the treat," and that's so confusing. Mm-hmm. So just being mindful of what we're saying and make sure that marries up with what our actions are, mm-hmm. because um, our brains are like sponges, and mm. yeah, that's what we're picking up. And mm. I think too, just being careful too. Like I've had this conversation with someone recently. Mm. Um, just being careful. I know when, like, no no one's ever going to get it 100% right yeah. with kids. Like, I know parents just do 100% the best. Yeah, oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. But I think just being careful. I think maybe dads a bit more too as well, being careful what they say to daughters. Oh, like, yeah. yeah, like, I think boys are a bit more blasé about mm. the comments. Like, I think that they can make just in terms of girls with their weight and just little comments about and I think some of that gets really ingrained oh, in, so in girls, young yeah. girls and young guys' heads. But I just think, like, you know, if you do have, a, like, you know, a daughter or a son that's, you know, maybe carrying a little bit more weight, instead of making them feel bad about food, yeah. educate them what is good food and mm. right decisions. Like, I think they can be, like, we're at a family or the wider family barbecue recently and one of the um, kids went to grab something and someone said – stop eating you just got to stop eating so much you're putting on too much weight and this was to a young girl and I I seriously shrunk down in my chair like I was just like she's in her formative years like I know and then you know I just think you know and I'm not like I'm not Mm. judging I can because it's a very close friend but (laughs) and I did say something about it afterwards not in front of anyone but just you know you just want to be careful mate about how you say these things to young women because it doesn't take much in terms of creating fear around food for young people so I think sometimes too like even just yeah be careful what you say about yourself around young children but also be careful like you know like how you educate them around food like we're in a space now where we've got so much great education at our fingertips and we know so much about Mm. food and gut health and mental health so we can really Mm give some great, you know, information mm, yeah. and advice. So, mm. And it, again, if it's from a place of compassion, it, because it sounds like, like that parent, when you spoke to them, they may have said, well, I'm just trying to yeah, protect them. Yeah, 100%, that's all, all it was. And I was just sure. like, just try wording it. Like just, and, you mm. know, I can 
I'm that close with the person that I can definitely Same. say it and just be like, just be careful how you word that, mate. Because if yeah. I just, because obviously too, they know what I'd gone through when I was younger. Yeah. My sister actually had an eating disorder, yeah. like bulimia. Yeah. So, like I think too, like knowing the whole family history and yeah. how easily girls can be mm. triggered from yeah. such small comments and things Absolutely. like that. Like I think they yeah. definitely took it on board. Like they're yeah. like, oh shit, I didn't even think of that. Like mm. I'm like, yeah, just yeah. <laughs> from a fear-based place for mm, that yeah. parent mm. that then can tap into the fear base for that young person which then taps into the inner critic that then can create a narrative around mm. oh well people think you're fat you are fat. yeah you like it, it the bullying the self-bullying that can mm. happen can happen so quick yeah and it 100%. can come out of someone saying something, something so st- simple an off-the-cuff comment on the off-the-cuff cuff yeah um, from a place in their mind that perhaps was loving, but because it came from fear, that that then planted a seed with that young person, mm. and the brain can quickly because the brain is a problem solving machine. So if it hears something like that, it can go straight to a belief of oh, they're saying this about you, or yeah. you are this. Yeah, so it's true. Yeah, so yeah. it's true. Yeah, and we yeah. and because it's coming from our brain, we think of these messages and beliefs as fact. Mm. Um, no, like they're just—it's a belief that's come in the brain. It's a thought that we've had, mm. and that doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Mm. So, yeah, you offering some advice to that parent is to say, can see that you're coming mm. from a good place. Mm. It's just tweaking how you say it mm. so they can hear, because people will be able to hear messages from a compassionate loving place yeah more so than a fear-based place yeah and I think the reason it came more from me to actually like I never pull people up on parenting at all it's not my place I do not have children I do know this person well enough that I can say something but I think for me it was just more because I know from my own perspective like yeah for me and my sister like we've both talked about our you know um you know body image issues our history with food all of the crap that we went through when we were teenagers and into our early 20s and both of us didn't even talk about it probably until about five years ago but both of us were single off off the cuff comments like that that just get stuck into your mind and just then all of a sudden it just starts retraining how you think about yourself yeah so I just think, yeah, like for me it was actually coming from a place of, oh, shit, like that would be enough to set me off and I know what I mm. went through. Like yeah. you would hate to see another little human go through that if you can potentially help it. Like I think we're up against a lot these days with social media and school and yeah. bullying mm. and, you know, what is an ideal body image versus yeah. what is a real body. Um, yeah. So And definitely like I know we've been talking a bit about parents but these messages – not always coming from parents, like it could have been a teacher, yeah. it could have been a friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, my background was a, a dancer and, and I started modelling at 17, so that's they're, they're both tough yeah, industries where you yeah. are judged heavily on your outward appearance, not your inner essence who yeah. you are. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah, there were some things that were, were said that then – became stuck in a, a young person mm. in my mind as a young person and then I did create a bit of narrative narrative of that of of I of it playing into beliefs around being good enough so mm. um and I see that play out in social media so much like if we're 
are human and we have our vulnerabilities and one of those is body image and attractiveness mm. as soon as we go on something like that then we've got such a quick access to compare ourselves to other people and then if our inner critic is highly developed then we've got such great ammunition to start beating ourselves up mm. um, and in recent studies they've looked at people's confidence uh, around body image when they've looked at social media and there's a correlation between uh, self-esteem and um, going onto social media and declines in thoughts and feelings Absolutely. around body image. But the thing with social media is that and when you kind of look back at even when we were all like yeah. teenagers when social media was not around yet in the way that it is today. Old. It was, but <laughs> yeah, so old. So old. But it's. I but still don't us, feel a day over 21. <laughs> but for us, like every era has their own thing. So for us, mm. it was magazines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it yeah. was like the glossy pages and yeah, the, dolly. all the yeah. dolly, dolly and the, the, yep. the airbrushed models on magazines. Yeah. And okay, yes, we could look at a magazine whenever we wanted, but I feel like social media is like. We are so, so in your face, in your face, and so like addictive yeah. as well. Like it's so addictive to just get on, and even subconsciously yeah. just get on and start scrolling. Yeah. And before you know yeah. it, you just have seen twenty photos of you yeah. know beautiful women that have probably all had these photos yeah. touched up, mm. and then you go, oh god, I don't look like that. Yeah. Mm. And then from that, it's yeah. like if you do that first thing in the morning, it's like oh. Same mm-hmm. thing as weighing yourself. It's like, yeah. boom, yeah. straight away your day is just like ruined almost, you yeah. know, and yeah. your thought process for that whole day yeah. goes downhill. I think so. Like I think um, one of the biggest things I try and get a lot of my clients to do is just unfollow those accounts. Yeah, Like definitely. I think it's a big – like I know it's a lot – it's hard, but even in the fitness industry, like yeah. – Follow accounts that are promoting something that is realistic and achievable Um, and follow like even from like just a a girl's actually showing real bodies point of view, like follow women that are not filtering their fucking photos and giving themselves perfect ads and cellulite free asses and... Because it's just like it's 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 just creating this whole, and especially for younger girls, I think now mm. like we're all quite aware that mm. all girls have cellulite, all of us have got jiggly bits, and mm. that's just normal. But I think yeah. at the moment, like because there's there's all the body filtering apps and the we've been conditioned to think we've been that cellulite to think is not cellulite normal. Cellulite is not normal. Oh my god. And, you know, I was actually just... listening to a podcast this morning on um, Mamma Mia with Amy Shepherd. So... I was literally going to say, like, yeah. I, do, I don't know if we're going to name drop, but I think some of the best people that I, I think are doing some really amazing stuff on social media at the moment is Amy Shepherd. She works a lot. Is it Georgie or Georgia Thomas? Georgie mm. Thomas. Mm. Uh, I think that's her name. Um, that You'll see them a lot on social media together anyway. Um, the body image movement. Yeah. Like, these women are doing some really great things and they're yep. really like they've got serious balls because they are just getting up there with no filters on their bodies, no using their, using their amazing social media platform to just show women what real bodies look like without yeah. all the you know the filters and the yeah. what do you call them like the things. Well, that, yeah, the thing the well, fitness toning, the fitness toning things. In this and, podcast, I was listening this morning actually, and mm-hmm. and Amy Shepard said like she's twenty eight years old and she was like. 
I was one day putting on a photo and I wanted to put this photo up and it was just, you know, a really happy photo. I was in a happy place at that time mm-hmm. and I was in a bikini. And I was looking back at my boyfriend. I really loved what was going on at that time in the photo. I wanted to put it up, but she said she spent 30 minutes trying to FaceTune it, mm-hmm. which is FaceTune's an app um, mm-hmm. for those that don't know. That's kind of like an airbrush filtering type app. And she said she spent 30 minutes and then she's like, hang on, what am I doing here? Mm. Why am I, I've got all of these young girls following me. Mm. Why am I trying to portray something that's like not actually me? Mm. So she just kind of said, she must, she just thought, stuff it. I'm just going to put it up. Like it's a big move, but whatever. Yeah. I'm just going to put it up. And then she's like, here's your bit of jiggle for a Tuesday or whatever it was. And, yeah. you know, she's got some cellulite and she's got a normal, real womanly body mm. and she said that's the most engagement any of her photos have ever gotten. And she mm. realised that there was this need, need and this, people. like, starvation of, like... Real uh, people. Yeah, yeah, this need for more people to go, hang on, mm. this is normal. And yeah. it's, it's totally normal. And then she would talk about her film clip and, you know, her song, mm. Kiss, Kiss, Kiss My, My Fat, Fat Ass. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and I just thought, yeah, there's it, that's so true. Like, we need to as a society that we need to more normalize like this is a normal body not 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 this crazy airbrushed fake yeah and I think too like even just readjusting like what our ideals of beauty are like I think like there are going to be some women who naturally aesthetically are you know leaner fitter more toned more easily like I just think you know if I don't necessarily think that's more beautiful to be honest Mm. like I think I think where it's more I think a lot of society probably thinks mm. that, that that is beautiful. Like there seems to be a lot of, you know, the same sort of lips, the same sort of eyebrows, the same sort of hair, the same mm. sort of bodies, starting to all look a bit shit. Everyone looks the same. But it's kind of like starting to really, I think we need to just pull away a bit from even what the ideal of what beautiful is and realise mm. that beautiful comes in so many different mm. shapes and forms. Mm. And, mm. you know, like I know it's that whole cliche of our real beauty comes from within. But if you truly do get to that place, and I hope most of you do, that you become very acceptive of your body and learn to love it and just mm. be happy that the skin you're in, then the beauty comes out from that anyway for mm. all. Oh, no, I thought it died. Oh, okay. Okay, we're literally cracking down to my battery dying. So, anyway. Um and because there is such a push for push towards perfection, whatever that mm. is meant yeah, to mean. Yeah, like what the hell? <laughs> and um, it's it's getting in the way because it's call it's causing people to then question their identity and who they are and slam themselves for not reaching perfection. Mm-mm. But no one knows what that is. No, like, what- yeah, and once you, but like the thing is, like once you get there to perfection. So mm. say you do in inverted commas. Yeah, in inverted. So we're doing. There's a lot of inverted, <laughs> inverted commas, commas that you guys can't yeah. see. But like, say for example, like that weight. Like once you lose that five or ten kilos, yeah. once you get the Botox and have the wrinkle-free uh-huh. face, and you, um, you know, you get yeah. blah blah blah. The list goes on. The the things that we do to ourselves yeah. to in this quest to reach perfection and beauty. Yeah. But once you get there, how many times are you actually genuinely mm. happy? It's almost. Mm. It's like we're yeah. no we're okay, I've, I've lost this weight and I feel I'm at this this magic number, mm. but I'm not happy. Yeah, mm. Like the happiness comes yeah. from within and yeah. it comes with acceptance, mm. not yeah. getting that aesthetic look yeah. that you're after mm. because you'll get there and go, oh, hang on. And if, if there's still mm. things deeper that you need to work, work on, on mm. that's creating mm. this unhappiness in the first place, mm. you'll you'll realise, oh, actually I'm not that happy. I'm actually more unhappy because now I'm I'm having to – I've got to this level of my body, mm. um, but I've, I'm – 
continuing to restrict and it's actually impacting my quality of life and I can't go out and, you know, eat whatever and blah, 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 like the list goes on. Yeah, but I just think too, like we've, like I don't, like half the reason I think for me, like obviously I wanted to do a lot of the work and like still like I don't think it's something you, you spend a lot lot of time working on yourself and then the more you age, the more you just, Mm. you find, you're still working on yourself in terms of, you know, the the psychological aspects Mm. of things and all of that and, but I think like the biggest thing for me and what I, like what I feel is hard for me to see in clinic is, you know, definitely young girls going through a lot of this, but mm. more when you see like women in their forties and their fifties that are mm. still going through this. And I'm just like, I think at the end of it, like our days, whenever they may be, and hopefully you'll get these amazing long lives. You don't, I think you're probably going to look back on a lot of this. Mm. Like I know I look back on a lot of how much time I used to spend obsessing over this stuff. And you just, there's so much more to life mm. and you miss out on so many of life's experiences and amazing things. If you're trying to live in this controlled environment mm. around food, mm. body image and, and body weight and what's ideal. So I think, I think the thing that I've loved about what you've really highlighted though is that it, again, like so much of the stuff we do, it comes back to this this core issue that mm-hmm. is not like obviously the you know the outward symptom is the control sort of stuff, yeah. but it's not. There's something deeper going on. So mm. again, it's getting back to those core issues. So yeah, mm. yeah it's kind of cool because we all have basic needs as humans and longings. Like we have a need to be loved and loved. Mm. Um, and love others we have a need for power and status Mm. we have a need for um, validation and approval Mm. like we all have this in common and often if someone has had one of their needs violated say when they were younger by someone's innocent comment or they did have someone belligerent in their Mm. life who violated a need um, say for um, approval and acceptance and unconditional positive regard, then that leaves a vulnerability. Mm. So then that person can be really vulnerable to uh, becoming obsessive by mm. different behaviours in order to get that need that's been largely unmet met. Yep. Mm. So then mm. their identity becomes fused with receiving um, compliments or likes or because mm. um, mm. they become like hits. Mm. Um, like yeah, dopamine hits. Like dopamine hits. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if that person in particular has experienced quite in an inadequate level of, of validation for who they actually are, then that's where this stuff becomes, social media becomes really unhealthy mm. and really addictive. Mm. Because we're on, that's, because we're not what we do and we're not what we look at look like where who we are is actually the essence of who of our value system that's mm. who we are mm. because the car you're not your car because mm. you, you're, you're not your things you're not what you do you're your your values and so sometimes especially in our in this day and age where we can miss that that's truly what it's all about is mm this whole journey of life is to get closer to who you actually are, not to, um, it's quite a basic level of spirituality to focus on, oh, I am what I, I am my car I drive in, I am what. My house that I live in, in my, my social circle. Yeah. yeah. Like, who are you in terms of. If all that stuff's taken you, away. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that can happen to all of us. 
what are your top what are your most important values and what are the people like around you what are your relationships like mm. and approaching life in terms of wholesomeness what's mm. around you that's wholesome mm. um, because often some of these things that we're so focused on are so surface level and that's why when we get it shit it doesn't do anything mm. but I thought it was going to do something mm. um, I know that like being uh, a, you know, an academic like I've Every time I would get a seven, it was also I got a hit. Yeah, that gave me something for a few seconds. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it wasn't until I looked at the underlying issues that I realised shit. It didn't matter how many degrees I got or how many sevens I got. Mm. I had to go deal with my confidence issues, um, and so often the thing that we're becoming fixated on. It's not really the thing that's going on. And if we fixate on all those surface things and we still feel empty, it's because that's really not what's at the core of it. Mm. Because at the core of being a whole, full, functioning human being is living in a way that's in accordance with our values and our authenticity. Mm. So that's the lesson I would share mm. today. Bloody good. Bloody good lesson. <laughs> so well articulated. I think you nailed that. Mm. Um, Chris and I are just like sitting here like yeah. dreamily staring yeah. at Toby right now. I think I've just like... got my new girl crush. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know That's perfect. It's so, so spot on. This little girl here. Yeah. Um, she's listening to all of this, she's Willow. so wise. <laughs> yeah. She'd be like, mm. But I can't even believe you can like articulate it that well when you're 38 weeks We're pregnant. <laughs> I'm going to be a mess. <laughs> and I'll be like, get me chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Not doing a podcast with you, Carissa. My thoughts oh. are on, what are we after this? Yeah, I know. We've talked like, about food so much. Yeah, I was literally watching Anne eat her lunch before and I'm like, it's a big mistake that I'm not eating right now. I knew it was a mistake oh. if I didn't eat. Something. Well, I didn't have, I've got to go to like veggie ramen or something and get some food, I think. Mm. I'm done with cooking, but anyway. Um, so I think we've done amazingly in terms of time. I think we've covered some really good content, like you're awesome, Kobe, oh, bloody yeah. amazing. Um, I think we'll definitely have you back again for whatever people want to hear us talk about. Yeah, but let I think, us know what's yeah, on your mind. I think, yeah, let us know because this one was obviously, yeah, more one that came about from the last podcast, podcast yeah. that you guys did. So and honestly, like it's not – something I actually thought we could all talk for an hour about. Like, mm. it's not something I would think, oh, let's do a podcast mm. on body image. But I think mm. it is good to hear both sides of it and where nutritionally we would love to help, but it's not our area when we're dealing with some mm. really, you know, core belief mm. systems and values that are ingrained from stuff yeah. way, way back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so if there is anything, obviously, with any of this that you guys feel like has hit some – hit some nails for you or struck a few chords, obviously you can mm. reach out to us at the clinic. Jess will pop, I'm like, I'm just dobbing Jess in. Jess will pop in the show notes um, all of um, your details and everything. So, again, if people need to reach out to you, yeah. they can. Um, yeah. I know she, she would have done that last time, so yeah. that's how people got in contact. Um, do you want to, are you, speaking of social media, are you on social media I or anything for people am. to follow? Do you want to give it's yourself a little the, shameless plug? Um, I am under Kobe Allison Psychology. That's my clinic's name. And, yeah, even though I'm 38 weeks pregnant, I do have my own clinic, so I have staff available while yeah. I'm taking maternity leave. 
and um, the supervised IMEs. And yep. my cookies will keep coming, <laughs> um, even though I'm not there. Baby or not. Um, and there will be a weekly newsletter and podcast as well. So it's I'm still around. Yeah. Um, and in terms of social media, you'll see on my page, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good quote. And general just like I run my practice, you know, it's a, I'm a human talking to another human. I just happen to have a set of skills to help them find the answers within. And so even with my social media presence for my clinic, I am authentic on it. And mm. I do share things that um are real mm. because I don't claim to have it all or, or to have it all together. I'm I'm a human just like everyone else and um, that's what I bring. The person that, you know, Emma knows as, as a colleague and a friend mm. is also the same person that now Krista has met Yay. and um, <laughs> you guys are hearing from. So I don't change. I, the minute you walk into that clinic room no, and sit on the other side of the desk. No, mm. like mm. I show up as myself. I think that's what I've done today and, and that's what I would encourage everyone to do to every day rather than putting on the masks mm. of um, perfection or hiding your humanness just to show up as you are. Which is mm. imperfectly fine. Yeah. And in, the right imperfectly people perfect. imperfectly will perfect. <laughs> love you just the way you are. Mm. Yeah. And the ones that aren't for you um, aren't for you. Aren't for you. <laughs> mm. Not everyone will be for everyone. I think that's nice. Great. That's something a big one yeah all right well we might wrap it up yeah. um, thanks for having me guys thank you thank so you much thank you so much i Cody. feel like yeah this is awesome i think namaste namaste <laughs> <laughs> cool so obviously um I'll do just as usual spill at the end here if I can remember. Here we go. If you like our podcast, like it. If you <laughs> give us a dopamine. Give us a give us a dopamine rush and click yes. Um, obviously subscribe in iTunes, um, SoundCloud, any of your other podcast apps. Um, give us a five star rating if you think we're amazing. If you don't, don't give us anything less. Um, <laughs> Um, take a screenshot and share it on social media. Share I'm, a, I'm a, an avid sharer of all podcasts that I love yeah, to listen same. to. So I think, yeah, like if you do like us or even just, yeah, like try and – I think this is going to be a really powerful podcast for a lot of women to listen to. So mm-hmm. I think if you share any of the 50-something podcasts that we've done, share this one with someone who needs to hear it. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, there's a lot of women out there who really – could benefit yeah. from this information and benefit from starting some sort of journey with learning to fall in love with themselves yeah. rather than not. So, or even so doing well. a, you know, if this leads to you doing a bit of a social media cull, yeah, of that's... any content that's not feeding you on a, mm, on a good, good level, level mm. then that's amazing if that's what's come out of it, that you unfollow some things that just aren't helpful and you start following things that do fill you up. Mm, I agree. Yep. Beautiful. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. That's okay. Cool. All right. You go have a baby. (laughs) (laughs) You did it. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.